thank you for jumping on because I kind of briefed you a little bit on this actually on the case that we're doing. You did. That was yesterday. We did that. My days are getting mixed up. <laughs> that was yesterday. We we talked. Yeah, because we did our troubleshoot. Yes. Okay. Um. So we're doing the Romers, not the Romers, because I was calling them the Romers for a long time. It is this strange case of the elderly couple that went missing. So I kind of gave you a top line, but I'm going to go through it again. But before I do, welcome back, everybody, to Creep Time, the podcast with Silas Dean and Stu. Yay! Hi, Creepers! We're back for another Friday episode. So because, like I said, Stu has the top line, but I'm going to go through it anyway because it's not a very well-known case. And you know what? Now that I'm remembering it, I'm not going to forget this because I forget every single time. Uh... I want to shout out the person who recommended this to me. Yes. Because she recommended two cases, two of which we are going to do. One is going to be the Romers, which is today. So stall for a second while I pull this up. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Can I tell you what I'm nervous about with this case? Yeah. What? Sorry. <laughs> that, hey, what that was, was a YouTube that? ad because I'm pulling up our YouTube channel. <laughs> did you go, did you, I was like, wait, are we about to did dance? Did you guys hear that? <laughs> I was going to say... That um, the one thing about this case that I'm already nervous about is, and I think you share this, mm-hmm. that elderly people, like I get moved to tears so fast and I'm so scared for what's about to happen to these people. True. Well, that's the the mystery. I agree. And I'm very much like that too. But the mystery of this is that we really don't have a lot to go off of here. This is going to be a frustrating one because there are very few details because one, it happened in the 80s, yeah. so we don't have a ton but the disappearance, like from a bird's eye view, is just strange. I have the person who recommended it. It's Sydney Brooke. Sydney Brooke, thank you for recommending this. And Jennifer Fergate, because I love that case as well. That's like a case of espionage that we'll get into later. We'll do that on a different mm-hmm. episode. You would die for that case. But you know, I love a spy. I do. <laughs> I love a spy. I love talking about espionage. Well, that's an interesting <laughs> one of um, a woman who is suspected of being like a female spy who I think checked into a hotel. I might be misremembering it. I think she checked into a hotel in like Germany or something and she died under like very strange circumstances in the hotel. I forget what it was exactly, but I think like when they found her, all the tags had been removed from her clothing, like something strange like that. Weird. Yeah. But this case, she had also recommended this and I was like, oh my God. Oh my God. How have I not talked to Stu about this before? So the case of the Romers... It's is actually the name is kind of fitting for the type of people they were because they were like road trip people. Now, what happened to them, I think, is one of the strangest stories of like an unexplained disappearance because there are so few details and because they're an older couple. You know what I mean? I feel like when we cover these disappearances, more often than not, it's been younger people that we're talking about. We're very rarely talking about people who were up in like their 60s, 70s, or in this case, close to their 80s. Mm-hmm. strange so in 1980 an older couple charles and Catherine romer i did it again oh my god Catherine romer is that right now i'm second guessing myself shoot <laughs> well it's that's it's difficult because your mind is probably playing a trick on you right now that you know that they roam they're like no yeah. nomads sort of <laughs> and their last name is probably romer i have to hold on let me just double check I'm going to play it now so we can decide once and for all. Also, I did some uh, research on this um, while I was looking up Adventures with Purpose. Do you know what they are? Adventures with Purpose? No. They're like the, I don't know if they're like not-for-profit or or how exactly they fund this, but they're like a diving team, like a vigilante diving team who go searching for like missing people who might have gone. 
We talked about them with we the Kylie Rodney them. case. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So they had searched for this couple. So I'm going to look up their video, actually, so I can get the correct pronunciation. <laughs> Let's see. I'll sit through another ad. But also, while we're stalling, everybody, thank you so much for all of the recent support on Creep Time, the podcast, because Stu and I, I haven't checked our reviews in a minute, but I know they've been mostly positive. Can I read you one while we're waiting for this to like boot up? Get through oh my the ads? Oh, sure. Let's see. This is on Apple, because I think that's the only place you can leave us reviews. Oh, wait. I wanted to read. Oh, <laughs> wait, wait. I don't know if I should say this. <laughs> God, I'm scared. <laughs> this one is just titled Stew. <laughs> oh, God. Someone goes, who is this? Castleberry79. I love that name. Oh, God. It goes, Stew. I finally got to see a pickup Stew, and she's gorgeous. <gasps> just saying the podcast is awesome, too. Or awesome also. <laughs> Look at that stew. Okay, we- I'm, I'm shook because I have tried so hard to make myself incognito. You're anonymous. Well, that's we were just talking about that last night. So it's weird that this review is... I, I actually haven't checked these, so I didn't expect that. But we were talking about that last night. I'm like, you're kind of like faceless in this like atmosphere. Like nobody really knows who you are, what you look like, but... Somehow they got a I'm picture I'm also faceless in real life. <laughs> it's because, did you hear the episode when Jack and I were talking about, or maybe it was you and I, where I was like, what if it came out that I do the voice of Stu? Like, it's me doing all the voices on this podcast. That has like the same feeling as when you were like, wait, has anybody asked if the Zodiac is the journalist from the San Francisco Chronicle? And Just I was shakes like, you to your core. I was shook to my core. Yeah. <laughs> That would be incredible. Also, I like what a brilliant idea for a I nobody know. better steal that from you. That's actually kind of a brilliant idea for a podcast. It's true. I think in my mind, I'm referencing like the old Nutty Professor movies with Eddie Murphy where he plays all the parts. Oh, yes, That's yes, me. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> That's what I'm trying to do on a <laughs> podcast. <laughs> and like nobody can see you, but you're still doing like full costume changes, full wigs, full. <laughs> I guess that's kind of similar to like Family Guy, right? Isn't that how all the most of the voices are done on Family Guy, the male voices? It's just one. I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's what's his face? Um, uh, Seth. Oh, gosh. I'm, I'm forgetting it, too. It's not. Um, yeah. There's a couple of Seths that are coming to mind. Both of them are wrong. <laughs> oh, God. What is it? What is it? Oh, my God. It's going to kill me. Here, you look it up. I'm going to. McFarlane. McFarlane. Okay, McFarlane. I'm going to look up the pronunciation of the. Romer. It was Romer. Okay. Romer. I knew it was strange because I was like, well, they roam. So use that as like a mnemonic device and like remember their last name is pronounced Romer. So that's what we've got. 1980, this older couple, Charles and Catherine Romer, they find themselves entangled in this story that we still don't fully understand even to this day. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. While ending a road trip and they were heading back home, they made a stop in Brunswick, Georgia. So we got another Georgia case. <laughs> Uh-oh, not Brunswick. Brunswick. Have you been? 
I okay now I'm wondering so there's a big thing called Brunswick stew in the south and I'm wondering if it originates from Brunswick Georgia or Brunswick North Carolina but it's it's yummy all the same I mean, I'll add it to my list. I don't know when I'll be in Georgia next, but I'll find my way there. <laughs> but they, I'll make it for you. They would make their way to Brunswick, Georgia, where they checked into a Holiday Inn, which I didn't know this, but in the 80s, Holiday Inns were like very, very chic hotels. Because when really? I heard that, because I, I know this is like an older, wealthy couple in this story. So I'm like, why are they checking into a Holiday Inn? And why, why did they do that more than once? Because this was their like go-to stop on this road trip all the time. I guess it's a really nice hotel, or it was a nice hotel back then. And you can still go there to this day, room 149. So according to the story, the couple arrived in their 1978, but I also saw reporting saying it was a 1979 Lincoln Continental. They checked in, went to their room, and then seemingly vanished without a trace. No one seemed to see them leave. And even stranger than that, their car was also gone. Now, more than 40 years have passed, you know, since this case came to light, and the roamers in their car have never been seen again, leaving everyone with this haunting question, what really happened to them, and who was involved? So this is their unsolved story. Oh my god, I just remembered as as I finished that, I was like, I feel like there's something else I'm supposed to do. I have a shout out to give. So you give me your thoughts on that. (laughs) I don't want to forget it again. You give me your thoughts on that. I'm going to look up what our shout out was i mean my thoughts are just like whoa it feels like that's the whole kit and caboodle right there and it's kit i'm like and intrigued. caboodle <laughs> kit creepers pause for a second backtrack five seconds in time kit and caboodle are you insane to do that to me when i'm ill prepared <laughs> My upper lip is sweating from that kit and caboodle. Oh, God. I'm actually sweating. Can you say that in a Nancy Grace voice, actually? (laughs) Can you give me that? Kit and caboodle. Oh, my God. I think that, like, blew up the mic for a second. (laughs) I was going to say, I need to turn my game down if I'm going to do Nancy. Oh, Um, God. That was so good. (laughs) Kit and caboodle, baby. Um... Yeah, I. So it feels like that's the whole. <laughs> that's the whole thing, and I'm wondering where we're going from here. Sorry, just give me the giggles. Okay. <laughs> um, that you're right. That is the whole kick boot off. It's true. It's very true. <laughs> so with that, um, let me pivot to our shout out because we have one to give to a, another podcast. Actually, that I want you. I want to turn you guys on to Stu and I. We wanted to share this with you. It's from Kristen and Will. So I'm going to read straight out the gate what they've sent me because I want to support them and I want to make sure that I don't mess this up. So the podcast is called Guide to the Unknown. And this is a podcast about horror movies and the paranormal. And I was talking to you about this too when they first like reached out. So every week, siblings Kristen Anderson and Will Rogers discuss pop culture and the unexplainable from the perspective of a celebrity skeptic, which I guess is Will. And a sort of believer, which is Kristen. So it's kind of like that BuzzFeed Unsolved dynamic of like, you've got a skeptic and you've got like a believer in the mix. Yeah. I feel like that's the dynamic that we try to create here, but we're both believers is the problem. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like I lean skeptic sometimes. You probably lean more believer, but yeah. I'm, yeah, you're, you're definitely, you take a very rational approach and I feel like I jump headfirst sometimes, even when I should take a step back and review all of the information. 
But just to just to tee up like some of their fa- favorite episodes, there we've got. Let's see, a look at the haunted amusement parks. There's listener stories <gasps> that they cover. Cursed thrift store purchases. That's one I need to go back and listen to. <laughs> Breakdowns of tons of horror video games. I feel like you'd love that because what's the one you play with Hayden Pinatier? Until Dawn or something? Um, until Dawn, yes. Until Dawn. They also do this for movies too. Anything from like Silent Hill to the classic slashers and their remakes. So new episodes come out every Friday, just like us, on all major podcast apps and platforms. And there is a weekly video version that they do on their YouTube channel, which let's see, their YouTube is youtube.com GTTU pod. I love that. You can follow them on social media at GTTU pod and make sure to listen on Friday right after this episode. So sweet of them. They reached out. I was so excited about that. Yeah, I love I love a sibling uh, podcast duo, too. Isn't that so cute? There's a couple really good ones. That's super cute. And there's like a... There's a really cute dynamic there that I think it's it's hard to capture sometimes with other pods, but I think that's sweet that they reached out. And you should definitely go check out their podcast. It's really well done. Yeah, I, I will. Now with that, back to the roamers. Please, it, tell me your thoughts. Outside of like whole <laughs> kitten caboodles. <laughs> Did it take you right back say, to don't that? Don't make me say it again. <laughs> don't make me say it again. Well, how do you um, feel about like an old the idea of an older couple going missing? Does it feel more logical or less logical, I should ask? Well, I mean, you think about so so their ages. They were what sixties and seventies, is what you said. He so I found a couple of discrepancies with his age, but I believe he was either seventy three or seventy four. She was older. She was seventy seven. Okay. Um, well, okay. So the age though doesn't seem. I my first thought was like, okay, did maybe they were elderly enough that like they got lost or like you know wandered off the premises somehow and something happened. But I don't think it's 74 that's probably happening. And then my other mm-hmm. thought was like, I don't know what their physical, um, like how in shape they were or anything. But like if people Ailments, were. like health issues. Yeah. Yeah. Like if somebody was going to like try to take advantage of them, like did Possible. they do something in this hotel? That's kind of where my mind went. Um second after kitten caboodle but that's where that's where it went <laughs> that's i was kind of no i think you're on the right track because that's what i was thinking too i was wondering i was like well a road trip like this lengthy is not really easy on the body for anybody let alone when you're in your mm-hmm. 70s and also we should take into account that being in your 70s in the 80s was a lot different than being in your your 70s today you know i feel like yeah when i look back at pictures of people from the 80s who were in their 50s i'm like they were in their 70s <laughs> like physically yeah. and mentally they were in their 70s well and like think about it i mean just in terms of how much longer people live now yeah back in the 80s i mean even though it was only like 30 years ago or i guess now it's been 42 43 40 years, years ago. 43 years yeah that's a long time ago like being 74 then was probably like being you know in your early 80s or mid 80s now i would agree i would agree it's kind of i mean it's inspiring and sweet that they were, you know, continuing to do this as a road trip together. I think that's kind of cute, actually. Yeah. Rather than just yeah. like, because what they were, they were calling them snowbirds, which was like an old term for people who lived like up north, like they lived in New York. So in the winter, mm-hmm. they would come down to their Miami home and they would just kind of like spend the winters in Florida. But they would right. do it through car, like via car. They would make the whole drive. That's cute. Well, I wonder if they they also probably didn't like to fly at that age, maybe, or... It's possible. I get. I mean, apparently this was something they had carried on together for like years. This was like a routine thing they did. So yeah. it was well before they were even at this age. But I don't know. I think they enjoyed like 
traveling for a couple of reasons here, which I'll get into. But it's funny because Charles actually kept a log, like a little daily journal. And it was to mark down like every single place they stopped, like where they stopped, what they ate for lunch, the times of everything, which was like, it's really cute. And it kind of made me think I'm like, oh, they're like travel buddies. That's like their thing. Yeah, like it was like a pilgrimage kind of thing for them every year, like a fun thing that they probably looked forward to. I also thought about our truck log when I was reading that because we used to fill out logs on tour. Ours was not fun. What did we have to put? The debt. We had to put like the fuel levels, the mileage, the death, and then we had to draw. We had to draw something, but I don't know what. Didn't we have to draw? We had to. Um, Why did we have to draw fill out, something? That's we had so to ridiculous. like fill out a graph that would say like. Um, you'd like, you'd like, it was like a bar graph of like how long you'd been driving when you took your break, That's what it was, you would do yeah. like a scratch mark and then you would, yeah. That's so heinous. I didn't mean to take and us to like, a dark time, but it was dark. No, it's okay. That's really dark. Yeah. We shouldn't go. There. <laughs> <laughs> That's too far. Let's talk about these older people who went missing. <laughs> well, let me give you some backstory actually to color this a little bit more about who the roamers were and just what we know about them because it's, I would say that. And because there's such um, there's so little information online about them and their backstories, that's why this case doesn't get covered very often. And also that, and there's been virtually no break in this case ever. No one has ever found what happened to them, who could have been involved, any trace of the car, any trace of them, or like jewelry, clothing, like nothing. Completely vanished. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. So... I saw a few different discrepancies, like I said, but I want to say the definitive ages of them will say Catherine was 77, and I'm just going to say Charles was 73. He might have been 74. Now, what we do know about the couple is that they actually had not been married for all too long. They were only married for about five years, but this was a routine trip for them. So that's also kind of interesting and sweet as well that they kind of got married later in life, you know? Yeah, I, I was envisioning this couple that had been together for a really, really long time. Me too. So that's I was an like, interesting nugget. Yeah, well, especially with like this road trip routine, it kind of seems like a pattern or like a, I don't know, like a shared, yeah, like a shared routine that would develop over like decades of traveling together, you know, like this is their thing. But yeah, just five yeah. years. Now, like I said, they were what people would call snowbirds back in the day because they lived in upstate New York or they might have lived in Manhattan as well. They would travel down to Florida in the winters by car so they could stay in their Miami home. We know there was this routine of the trip that they would do every year. And we know so much about this specific trip because of that journal that I mentioned. Charles was like extraordinarily meticulous as a person for keeping these journals because it was, like I said, logs of where they went, timestamps for when they left places, when they arrived at places, and specifically where they ate and what they ate. That's really helpful if you're an investigator. It's actually kind of incredible. <laughs> yeah. Could you imagine being like the private eye on this and you find that and you're like, easy. Which makes it so all the more insane that like nothing, they have no trace of what happened to them. Nothing at all. So 
it's kind of funny actually because for being so meticulous and never missing a day of doing this the only day that we don't have a record for because the journal was found it was april 8th 1980 the day they vanished for some reason charles did not record anything that was strange because usually like i said like if they had departed early in the morning and made a very long trip going from like Miami to Georgia, they would have said like leaving at this time arrived at this time, stopped for food here, stopped for get like, you know what I mean? Like he would have probably yeah. been jotting things down. He didn't. And we don't know why. Hmm. But we'll get into some of the theories about this and whether or not he might've had a hand now because of this journal though. Um, I think we also, well, we know they went to the Holiday Inn from previous journal entries because, like I said, this was a routine stop for them. So every year when they would make this trip, the process was down to Miami, stay in the vacation home, drive all the way to Brunswick, Georgia, like drive as far as you possibly can, and then stop at this Holiday Inn. So there's like, I don't know, there's like a methodology to how this trip is going to go. So Charles, just to give you like some backstory on him, he's a well-off man. He was pretty wealthy. He was a retired oil executive with what was supposed to be a massive fortune. Um, but And Catherine, I couldn't really dig all too much on her. There wasn't too much to her backstory, although from a few other like reports I saw from other podcasts and people, it sounds like she was also pretty well off or she came from like a, a pretty wealthy family. So it wasn't quite like a money hungry kind of thing or like an arrangement in that way. It kind of seemed like they were just compatible older people who like ran in the same circles if you know what i mean Mm -hmm. yeah they were just a happily married couple for the most part but to pinpoint this kind of wealth i'm talking like big money here so i want to talk about her jewelry collection it is estimated estimated sorry that she traveled with a jewelry collection that was close to five hundred thousand dollars i think in today's currency and she was also known to dress very extravagantly so i mean they're visibly displaying their wealth she would dress daily in roughly eighty thousand to one hundred and fifty thousand dollars worth of jewelry oh my gosh could you imagine i I could (laughs) correct answer you go you go in fact i really could (laughs) i'm like envisioning like audrey hepburn's like that like famous necklace she wore the like diamonds yes um, well it's funny because one of yeah one of her most prized jewels was like an i think an emerald or something i I gotta look it up it was some either a diamond or it was like a very precious emerald ring or necklace or something but it was flashy like you could look at them and be like they're not starving. <laughs> they're, they're probably yeah. well-off people. But at high level, that's what, what's confusing about this case. You would maybe look at that and be like, oh, well, okay, this, this is a conspiracy of, like, jewel thieves who are, like, plotting against the couple. But that's part of what made this case odd, because following the disappearance, all of the jewelry was found and accounted for inside the hotel room. The only thing that was ever missing were the, the roamers and their car. Yet nobody knows what happened to them. Okay, I have a question. Just to clarify, mm-hmm. they're driving back home. So they're stopping in yes. Brunswick on their trek back up to New York. Exactly. Yes. Okay. So okay. actually, that's a good tee up because we can go through the day of and just go through like what actually happened to them um, and what we know up until the point when they checked in, which I think was 3.51 p.m. So let's go through the timeline. After traveling from their winter home, like I said, in Miami, they 
would arrive. This is Tuesday, April 8th, the Holiday Inn in Brunswick. They check into the, the room they had booked, room 149, at exactly 3.51 p.m. that day. The couple was witnessed by the hotel staff bringing all their valuables, all of the belongings from their car, into their room. And then they closed the door. We have a window now where there's like two hours that seem to pass with the roamers kind of inside this room. But nobody ever saw them leave. Like nobody witnesses any. And you would have to cross the front desk. You know what I mean? And like Mm -hmm. it was a clear shot for most people who were traveling. And like like, that's check-in time. Like after three, nobody ever saw them leave. We have a timestamp that corroborates that the car had left sometime after 5 p.m. But again, nobody saw anyone get into it or who might have been driving it. So this happened when a Georgia Highway Patrol officer would later recall that he actually saw this exact car parked at a restaurant strip just south of the city sometime after 5 that night. And the reason I was thinking to myself, I'm like, well, okay, well, why would he remember seeing that car? Apparently, it was like a state-of-the-art vehicle. (laughs) Like, it was extremely flashy for the time, like a 1979 Lincoln Continental. And it was custom, too. You would have noticed that. Yeah. Well, those cars, if I'm remembering the right kind of Lincoln, I think they're like boats. I mean, they're huge cars. They're like super wide and long. It's like a limo. They're super long. Yeah, super. It's funny because I think my grandma used to have definitely not a Lincoln Continental, but she had an old Lincoln like that. We used to call it the Lincoln and we thought it was funny. It was called the Lincoln, Um, but it looked like that. It kind of almost looked like a hearse, honestly, because it was so long. Yes. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) But... She eventually got rid of that car. I forgot what she got after that. It was some some SUV or something like that. But yeah, it looks flashy. It looks like a limo, kind of. So it's, yeah, something you would have probably been able to spot, especially if it was brand new in mint condition and it's jet black and it has a custom license plate, too. So a few details there that you're like, yep, I definitely saw that car. Mm-hmm. So what's funny, though, is that this officer, when he would come out, because he's really only, like, the only witness in this case, I guess, he mentions, I saw the car there at this time. So when they went back and they interviewed all the witnesses who were, you know, in that restaurant strip and in the restaurants, nobody ever seemed to see that couple. Like, they weren't in there dining anywhere. Odd. So so it's, we're assuming, like, they couldn't have driven the car? Well, we don't know. I, well, I guess... They would have had to have been in that car, right? Because, well, I'll get into, like, what actually happens. So, yeah, the car is seen at the restaurant strip. This is south of the city. This is two hours after they checked in, but nobody ever saw them leave the room. Nobody saw them get into the car. But, again, nobody saw them in any of these restaurants, so we don't know who was driving that car. You're right. We got lots of eyes on this, and then... I think it's actually a couple of days because, nope. again, since nobody saw them leave, nobody thought anything was wrong in the hotel. But we go all the way to April 11th, and this is the hotel staff actually becoming concerned because they hadn't seen the roamers ever leave their room after check-in. So they did, like, a courtesy check just to be, like, making sure everything's okay. Do you need anything? Can we, like, provide any housekeeping services? They go into the room, and they were startled to find that all of the belongings of the roamers were left inside that room despite no one ever seeing them depart. And the room had basically been untouched. There was evidence that they had never slept in that room. The beds were, I think, made in a way that only the, like, the housekeeping staff knew how to tuck the sheets. Like It was like their signature at the Holiday Inn. So the staff became 
deeply concerned because they're an older couple. They contacted the police immediately. And I think, like I said, one of the eeriest parts of this is that all of the valuables, the jewelry, was immediately found inside the room. Nothing had really been taken. So they so weird. Like yeah, what, it's, what it's is eerie. the motive? That's the big question. I mean, there's really no evidence either that anyone had it out for them. I couldn't imagine why. Because they weren't really yeah. I mean, they were wealthy people, and I guess Charles was a an oil, a former oil executive, but he was retired and like they were just kind of an older couple. They weren't really there was no sinister like story behind them, you know? Yeah. So it's like who would have it out for these people? But after this, they reported to the police. They noticed their car is confirmed as missing from the lot, and a manhunt ensues for these people. And I didn't know this, um, but it was actually the largest search party attempt in Georgia's history at the time. It spanned more than 700 to possibly 1,400 miles in just 14 days of searching. It involved police, diving teams, private eyes that were hired by the family, the FBI, and eventually even mediums were brought in in an attempt to locate the roamers. They were never found. Ever. You know it's real when the mediums get called. That's when, like, desperation sets in. Yeah, yeah. And after the mediums, that's when they come to Creep Time, the podcast, and they're like, you're our last hope. (laughs) It's so true. (laughs) Is that we've exhausted all feasible options. (laughs) Can you just take a look at the case? You need to reopen this case. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it would be wild if we completed this episode and we had one of our, like, gem moments where something gets solved. Some kind of closure to this. Well, I'm thinking to myself, oh my gosh, like the resources they must have had to. And so to think that they, because it sounds like they acted pretty quickly. They had such a huge, um, like array of different types of people looking for them. Totally. Private eyes hired by the family. Absolutely. It's really crazy how fast they left or how under the radar they were able to go. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I should actually, I should go over what was found in the room to give like further context. So all of their luggage was left in there. All of the jewelry, like I mentioned. And oddly, Charles's glasses had been left on the nightstand along with a book. So it kind of seemed like maybe he had been reading for a minute or something. It's unclear how long they were in that room before the car took off or if they left with the car when it took off. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and I think specifically they also found the journal which was supposed to have timestamps for everything. But like I said, the entire day of April 8th was left empty. And they also found his checkbook on the desk, as well as income tax forms and various financial papers. So when I heard that, because I'm looking for anything, oh. I was like, financial trouble, financial trouble. Yes, yes. Not, not at all. Every, like everything on there was completely normal. <laughs> it There was no sign they were in financial trouble. Um Nothing that had to do with tax. It was like normal paperwork. It was just something he traveled with. Just like private documents. But why would you be traveling with tax stuff? Like if you're on, well, I guess they were in Miami for the winter vacation. They're not really on a vacation. They're going back home. Yeah. This is their like winter time. This is like months of their year. So you kind of have to take like your important documents with you in the age of like the eighties where everything is through paper and mail. That's right. And there was no additional evidence in the room that there had been other people in there, any sign of a struggle or fighting, evidence of blood, and certainly no evidence of foul play. So any thoughts on that? 
It seems like they just evaporated, really. I wonder, I mean, I'm I'm sure they checked the showers, made sure that none of the products had been used. Like, I just can't think of anything else you could really check for if it's the beds made. I'm almost wondering, how do you think they might have gotten out? Do you think it was as simple as they really went through the front door of of the room? Like, just left through normal exit and somehow they were missed by everybody? I mean, I think if you were trying hard enough, you could, you know, go around each corner to see if anybody's coming and, and sneak out. But I just don't know what the motive would be to leave everything behind if you didn't have some sort of trouble following you you know what i mean let's get into like some of the sightings actually because i think this will paint a little bit more of the story that we don't know about what happened after that like 5 p.m mark because i talked about we have the officer at 5 p.m he claims he saw the car he's like for sure it was this couple's car because their license plate like i said it's their initials it's like uh like cr something or like it's, it's their middle names are in there somewhere, but it's like a bunch of C's and R's, I think. Um, so he was like, yeah, it's recognizable. I saw this. So we have that at 5 p.m. There is also an unconfirmed sighting of a man who was working as a delivery driver on the night of April 8th. He claimed to his wife that that evening he was followed and then nearly run off the road by a black Lincoln town car in this area. It's not confirmed if it was their car, but how many of those are just like floating around the road on the evening of april 8th you know what i mean right right isn't that weird though to think like because he he said he was almost like it was speeding behind him and almost ran him off the road that does not read as an elderly couple to me unless something's very wrong you know see okay when you said that i was like did they pull like a thelma and louise like (laughs) in their 70s (laughs) (laughs) honestly inspirational but i'm like yeah right but i'm like why would I don't know. Yeah, that does not sound like an elderly couple driving that car. Well, it's also kind of a useless statement because he, this happened, but he didn't report it for like a long time. And when I say a long time, I mean like 20 years long. Like <laughs> At that point, it's like, why, are you, why come forward? <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, no. Unless well, you can tell okay, me so- where they are. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it, sir. Exactly. <laughs> I wonder if he, I mean, did he feel like they were chasing or like trying to like road rage with him? Like, or did he just, was he just like, oh my God, that car's driving like a bat out of hell. Um, It's kind of murky from his description because all I have to go off of is what I read about his statement, which was that he was almost run off the road by this car. The way he kind of presented it, it sounded like it was malicious. Like maybe what you're saying, like they were intentionally trying to get a car off the road for some reason. Um, especially a delivery driver. I don't know why that would be like a target, but it seems specific. Yeah. But yeah, he, I, I, I think he eventually just like lost the car, but it's confirmed that this happened like this event because he had a delivery ticket for the same time stamp or the same like window for when he claimed this happened and like the area where it was. So it kind of made sense. Like it was like, okay, this most likely was legit. It's just a question of whether or not it was their car, but it's pretty recognizable. It's feeling more and more like a kidnapping of sorts to me, but I can see that it just doesn't make sense why they would leave the stuff behind unless unless mm-hmm. the people just like didn't know what was in there, like didn't know the value and maybe having them as like in their um, 
like having them like possession and yeah. being able to use them for yeah possession use them for ransom was more valuable than anything like That's what, what if they had been he's a hire maybe they were hired like to do this because if this is Ooh. a well-off person it could have been somebody had it out for them or we're gonna have to dive into some of the theories about all the different motives for why theft and like kidnapping could have been plausible um, I'll get yeah. through like one last witness statement. And I know there, there's like many, I guess, that were reported around this time, but most of them actually were not considered credible because a lot of people were just getting confused about who they were. Um, but there is one I want to bring up, which is also not considered very credible, I think, based on the timestamp of it. And like it just wouldn't have aligned with the one that is the most credible, which is the 5 p.m. sighting of the car near the restaurant strip. But there were these two fishermen in this area who claimed that they were near a body of water, like a swamp. And they saw what they believed to be this couple outside of their car at the swamp. And they also saw the car near the swamp. This happened the same day, apparently. We should talk about that. That's kind of haunting. It's haunting. Why would they be there? Unless it was a suicide pact? But who, who dies by, like, let's too. plunge into a swamp together? I can't... What? But all, all all signs lead to this being either a suicide or mm-hmm. a kidnapping. I guess those are our only two options. Unless we're saying that yeah. they just, like... <laughs> Went off the grid. Do- but why would you do that when you're, you know... I don't know. Late stage of life. I just don't understand the... Unless someone is after you, I don't understand. I wonder. Okay, mm-hmm. I'm sorry. I'm probably jumping ahead, but like, did they have kids? Did they have family they did. that was okay? Yeah. Um. I don't. They were not her biological children. I think she was obviously the stepmother because they were, you know, obviously married five years. Um. I don't know if she had any children of her own, but he certainly had children. Okay. Yeah, I just find, like, the image of thinking of them at night, because this was in the evening, at night by a swamp, an elderly couple. That's an unusual sighting in and of itself, whether or not it was the the roamers, you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. But, again, it doesn't quite align with the timestamp of the story, because I think it's suspected to have happened, like, right around 5.30 or 6, or, like, it was, like, right within the window of when the car itself was seen somewhere else so it just wouldn't have made sense and like i said although there was this like scattered collection of reports that came in of all these people claiming you know we saw them many of those were just considered to be confusion or non-credible statements Uh, a few additional details to consider here is that this area of brunswick because i did a bit of digging on like the geography of it um there are quite a few like small bodies of water specifically investigators were imagining like waters near the south of brunswick after the car was spotted near the restaurant so maybe it's feasible they left their room got in their car drove to go get food somewhere and then as they were trying to drive home it was dark they got confused and went into a body of water but again most of the waters in this area because this was the largest mass search in georgia's history at the time they have been searched by divers for decades at this point and they have never found any shred of evidence of these people surely they would have found the car right it's a tough yeah. thing to miss never did never found it i would also say no. one last thing because i forgot to do this in our last case i checked the weather reports yeah. for the state 
because <laughs> I was like, I want to know, was it raining? Were the roads slick? Like, what could have, what could explain like a car like going off the road or something into like a body of water? Perfect night. The high was in the 70s. Low of the night was in the 60s. Clear skies, no rain. So that kind of eliminated the weather element to me. Eventually, I think what happens is like, since they're New York residents, they go by New York law. So after five years of being considered a missing person, if there has been an adequate search, you are pronounced legally dead. Mm. And that's where the case will stand because there is no further evidence on this. So before I jump into theories, let's just chat through the final button on that. Just our thoughts. I mean, my thought would be that they went somewhere else and were just never seen again. Like if, if that swamp sighting really was... I don't know. That's the thing. That's why I'm so curious about family or friends because if there was any inkling that there was like a motive to escape something, mm-hmm. they would be the ones to maybe have a finger on the pulse of what was going on. But it just seems very much like they were taken or something. I would agree. I Well, it's also, I mean, I'm, I'm saying this is all alleged, but... We can think about family in a different context. If the family maybe has some kind of a motive to make them disappear, mm. get access to a will. That's what I was thinking about. Mm. Especially knowing that they're New York residents and there's kind of like a five-year limit before somebody is pronounced dead. And the reason that law exists is specifically so that wills can be like deployed is not the right word. But you know what I mean. Like a will can be enacted. Um, executed, right? Exactly. What it's called. Yes. Yeah. Thank you, um, attorney. Topic, attorney at law. Knives out. <laughs> <laughs> Nancy. Um, yeah, I mean, gosh, how how sick would that be if that's actually what happened? We've seen worse things with families with money, for sure. Yeah, for sure. I'm we've curious seen worse if things. what their net worth like actually was, because it just feels like it's this is Doesn't such great length. Yeah, it feels like astronomical. Their net worth. It's actually yeah. not that crazy. Because I was able yeah. to dig up some old records, which uh, shocking, these were public. I think it went through like the court system, and I probably shouldn't have seen what I saw. But it said like when the will was finally executed five years later, it was um, $1.2 million that he had. Which I don't know what that would wow. be with inflation, but it's not as much as I was imagining. I I was thinking of like, oh my God, he's like, like, he's like an oil, oil tycoon. Yeah. Like he must have like yeah. his fortune. He was just an oil, like a corporate executive, I think. But let's see. 1.2 million, 1985. Any guesses? I'm going to say 3.9. That's pretty close. Hold on, wait. Oh, well, I misput it in the wrong way. 3.4. Wow. Okay. Which is a great deal of money. I mean, that is a large sum of cash, but... Again, yeah, not something that I would maybe consider that a family would put a hit on somebody for. Yeah. You know, especially when they're in the later stage of their life. Like, it just doesn't make sense. Yeah. Well, that's the other thing. Like, they've gone to such great lengths to, if if these sightings were legitimate, like, mm-hmm. keep them alive for a while. Like, oh, you're thinking about, a ra- you're thinking about like, ransom is what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Okay, like if, gotcha. if this was a kidnapping or something, like they're keep, keeping them alive for quite a bit of time. Like it seems unlikely that they would do that if they're trying to get 
you know, some money out of it. Or may, well, actually, no, maybe that's counterintuitive. Well, so but, for clarity, are you thinking of like thieves who were doing this, or are you thinking of like the children initiating this? For no, the I'm thinking of like thieves. Okay, I, gotcha. I'm thinking of like randos that are kidnapping them to hold them older wealthy ransom. couple, and they're like, yeah, they probably got kids yes. or something. We can definitely yeah. like hold on to these people. Yes. Okay. So I guess it would make sense to keep them around for, you know, however long they did. Um, But also, I don't know. I just, it is just so bizarre to leave everything behind um, if it's not that or suicide. Like, I just don't know what it could be. Kind of like what you said, though. It's like maybe they... They went into the room. Let's say they were followed, right? Even from Miami. Let's say, like, people, like, saw them in Miami, and they're like, well, this is a wealthy couple, and they're about to go on the road. Like, we see them, like, loading their car with luggage. We're going to follow them up. They don't stop until they get to Georgia. And then somehow they're followed into their rooms by whoever these people are who were trying to steal from them or kidnap them, get into the room, but they have no idea how much jewelry like this woman actually has with her because maybe she brought it in and it's like left in her luggage or left in like the safe or something in the room. Yeah. So they're just like, come with us or we're going to kill you. Somehow they get them past the front desk, get them into their own car and then stop at a restaurant. Like, I don't, you know what I mean? Like, what are they doing? Yeah. (laughs) It doesn't, something doesn't add up. It's strange because even after the fact, like once the search is like really underway, it's not even an instance of like tips coming in being like, Oh my God, we saw this car driving like out of state or we saw this car here. The car is never seen again, ever. No one could spot it after the night of the eighth. So it's like, what is the, what is the motive there? And what was the execution of that plan? If it was just like proper thieves and like ransom, you know? Yeah. Well, regardless, how do they just dispose of this? So here's here's what mm-hmm. makes me think it isn't a suicide. How would you dispose of the car? That's the big Unless question. You, like legitimately drove it, you know, but somebody would find it. Like it definitely the car is the big like red herring here. Like it's mm-hmm. something has to be like foul play because how does that car go missing? Maybe you forever. I agree. Maybe you capture them with the intention to hold them for ransom. Maybe one of them dies or like tries to break free Mm -hmm. and get shot. One of them has a heart attack. Like there could have been any number of things that went wrong in that plan. So then they're like, well, this is all for naught. We have to one, get rid of these bodies. So they get rid of the bodies. That's probably a bit easier. The problem is getting rid of the car. Like you're saying, because it's not as simple as like they just dumped it in a body of water because so many bodies of water have been searched for this. So they either dumped it in a body of water outside of the state or they took it apart piece by piece in like a chop shop or something. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, those are great lengths to go to, but if you want to cover your ass, that's what you do. I keep, I keep getting the feeling it's like a hit, like some sort of hitman situation because those types of people would know somebody that could like do chop shop or like even change a license plate and register, you know, like get the whole thing. Who do you think would have I a hit? said it. Uh, well, I'll get the... <laughs> Wait. What were we going to say? Sorry, what were you going to say? The whole kit and caboodle. Um, <laughs> whose kit and whose caboodle is really the question. Looking that up in five minutes. 
kit and caboodle. I just, I'm trying to think, I'm like, okay, if we go with the hit scenario, who would have a hit on these people and why? Could he have maybe like wronged somebody in his career? Maybe as an executive, he fired like one of the big mm-hmm. wigs at the company. Like that could have been, I can see that being a scenario. I can absolutely actually see that being a scenario. My confusion about that is like, that is pretty impressive that you are able to covertly sneak somebody out in honestly under like a two hour time frame from their hotel room in plain daylight and in plain sight of the front desk. Mm -hmm. And nobody sees them being like escorted out. In a place you're unfamiliar with. See, here's the other thing. Mm -hmm. If this was somebody that they knew that like had a hit on them, wouldn't they do that in like Miami or New York where they knew where their residence was, where they probably knew the places that they frequented like, it's very odd that this all took place in like a random hotel. Not that it was random because they went there routinely, but like right. I know what you mean. For like anybody a road else, trip a stop. random hotel. That's yeah, intimate knowledge that, that only the couple to do would this. know. Yeah, I agree with you. It's yeah. intimate knowledge that only they would know, or only somebody who was in the inner circle would know. Um, I just a thought just dawned on me. I don't know why this would be a connection, but I almost wonder if it could have been an inside job from somebody who worked at the hotel. Like maybe if yeah. they knew that this was a wealthy couple, well, let me put my, put my thinking cap on here. How would they know that? So they book the hotel room. It's either somebody who knows this couple because they have a routine of every year they do this and maybe they have some backstory on them. So they could have been plotting this for a long time. They're like, this is a wealthy couple. They have this room booked for this date. They're like, we're going to hold them for ransom kind of thing. So maybe it's like they turn a blind eye when the thief comes in grabs them from their room and escorts them out and like whoever's working the front desk is in on it but i think i mean they were pretty much ruled out from everything i read like all of the hotel staff were like heavily scrutinized they were ruled out like they couldn't find any connection any motive to harm these people but that was my only thinking i'm like well if the logical doesn't make sense then we have to assume that somebody is like bending the truth here who's on the inside or you pay off some hotel people i mean you could i feel like they would fold though i don't know i mean i have a tough time imagining the hotel workers in brunswick georgia being hard in an interrogation yeah. room but maybe not i know i know <laughs> well oh, there's another theory here maybe we should pivot from thinking about this as like an unusual theft and maybe we can look at it from like a freak accident perspective there's a few things that don't make sense for that but i just want to entertain the thought of it for a second so Let's say they got into the room because, again, there's no sign of struggle, forced entry, no nothing in the room to suggest like they were taken. But let's say they get in. Everything's chill. We've got evidence that Charles was in there like reading by the desk or like near the nightstand, I guess a book. Um, some stuff is sprawled out on the desk like they were like settling in and then dinner's rolling around. They say, oh, let's go out to dinner. Like all of that seems logical to me. So somehow they get out cross the front desk and it could have just been a freak like blip of time that was lost where like somebody was digging through papers somebody was like checking something ran to the bathroom any number of things or maybe they were missed for that like 60 second walking pattern door to front door they get to the car nobody seems to spot them leave the parking lot but I'm, I'm still on track with this then they just drive to the restaurant it's odd to me that nobody seemed to spot the couple in the restaurant once questioned, but mm-hmm. not entirely unreasonable, I guess. So let's say they have their dinner or maybe they don't. They're trying to drive home. It's now dark. It's entirely plausible if they're not incredibly 
familiar on a day-to-day basis, day-to-day basis with this area that they just accidentally go into a body of water. Or something was wrong with them. This is something that was interesting. I heard another theory about from a woman who I think was a nurse and she weighed in on this. She was like, my big concern that I was thinking about listening to this case, she was like, typically with older people, when they're sitting in cars and they're kind of stagnant for a very long time, it actually creates a a circulation problem that can actually affect their logic. She Mm -hmm. was like, because their blood is not properly circulating through their body and their thoughts actually get a little dim and maybe a little um, irrational at times. She's like, it's entirely possible if Charles was the one driving and he's driving for a very long time, Miami to Georgia. And then even after like an hour or two in that room of like, you know, having your body reacclimate, suddenly you get back in the car and you're a little delirious at night. It's dark. You could very well go off the road, go into a body of water. Yeah. Nobody sees you again. There's 15, to be specific, in this area. 15 small bodies of water. I was going to say, and you know that I'm sure this area is pretty rural. Like, there's, I think a lot of people would probably say, like, somebody would have seen that. But in Mm -hmm. these, but but have all of those been searched? I can't confirm. Like, I, I don't know for sure. But the initial diving team, and don't forget, like, the private investigators who were hired. I'm sure they did their due diligence at the time. And I think even to this day, like I said, um, Adventures with a Purpose, they've they've looked into this as well. And they've tried to search bodies of water, and they still have not found anything. They have sonar tech they can use now to check these, like, they don't have to dive into them. They can just be like, oh, yeah. we've got a blip. Like, there's a mass under there. Like, we can go check that. They can't find anything. I don't know. I do you think it could have been an accident? I don't know. It just seems like something would have gotten left behind somehow if there was an accident. Mm-hmm. Some shred more of more than just yeah, like um, is that kind of strange in the context of the delivery driver story of the? I was just thinking that, like maybe that's the nugget, like. That that would have really been the one thing that somebody would have seen, and mm-hmm. then like they were like losing control of a vehicle, and then you know ten minutes later, when flying into a body of water or something, I like that. I could that that's a possibility, um, or that's the thieves trying to get away very quickly. Yeah, yeah, it's possible because what you just said really actually clicked for me. You get to the hotel, you check in, you're like, oh, I'm starving. That's why nothing's moved. Y'all go leave. You have dinner. And then like that, that all, when you said that, I was like, oh yeah, like that totally makes sense as to why nothing was touched and nothing was taken. Um, so now it's starting to feel more like they, they got into an accident. Like they left on their own accord. Yeah. I know what you mean. Yeah. The only thing that trips me up about that is, one, obviously, that there's no vehicle and no evidence of them that's found. But also, I am very freaked out at the idea of them, of the car being seen in that restaurant strip. And obviously, we're assuming in this scenario, they left for dinner, but nobody saw the couple. Like, I'm not talking about, like, oh, like, they were just elusive. Not a single person, no witnesses, saw them that night. Did they just park? And I bet... (laughs) Yeah, well, and I bet as the way you've described them, they would stick out like a sore thumb and a like small town dinner. She's wearing one hundred fifty thousand like dollars worth of jewelry. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure they would stick out like sore thumbs. Somebody would see them. 
Absolutely. Like very, that's the thing, the common thread I kept seeing through all the research. They were like very, very recognizably wealthy couple. Like the pictures of her, like, I think she had like bleached blonde hair. She was an older woman, but she still had bleached hair. Um, and she would like dress very well as, I think she wore like furs and stuff. Like, yeah, they would probably stick out in Brunswick, Georgia. You never know. Yeah. But there's really nothing else to go off of outside of those theories, unless we're assuming that they left and it was a suicide pact. And that swamp statement of seeing them at night near that body of water in the swamp was just like the last moment of them. But even so, I still don't understand that. Did they just slowly I'm, I'm drive their car into away. the... I know. I'm leaning away from the suicide thing because I just feel like it seems they're strange. too old. It's it's They're too old and they seem to have too much of a good thing going on. Newly married well off like no no evidence I mean, of financial all... troubles like i can imagine yes, it like yeah. if they were about to lose all the money or something yeah that backs people into a corner but that was not the case they were fine yeah and also don't forget i mean if you commit suicide and you have a life insurance policy i mean normally the the people don't get the life insurance so i mean you know what's crazy i learned that, that from reason... watching ozark yeah ozarks yeah i was like i I heard that because isn't that like the first couple of episodes? That's what he's like contemplating. Yes. And yeah. he had like called to like double check if that was going to work out. And they were like, no, that voids mm-hmm. the policy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it does for most people at least. Right. Um, yeah. But so that, that wouldn't make sense if they were doing it for some reason for someone to be able to get the money. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know. Even the execution of the will coming from the motive, if we're thinking about like ransom or a hit hired by the children. I don't think that's true because I think, I I don't know if he had multiple children, but I know he at least had a son because I read about, I read a report about the son. He routinely like yearly hires private eyes. And I think diving teams to go back and check the area. Like he has kept the investigation alive for decades, even after they were legally pronounced dead. Cause he was like, I just want to find them. Like, I just want to find like what happened that night and like understand because it's somehow even more devastating to think about like your parents or your family just like vanishing, you know, you yeah, don't really know absolutely. what their last moments were like or where they were or if they were scared kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So he's kind of grappled with that pain in the story for a long time, but that also, it could have been performative. I'm sure some people will say that, but to me it read as somebody who's genuinely looking for them. So was that their only son? I'm not sure. Actually, it kind of sound it, it's tricky because like I've seen a few different reports that conflict each other, but he is the one that hires these people every year. I don't know about his siblings if he has siblings. Yeah. The other thing that I'm going to like sort of definitively for myself rule out the Mm -hmm. suicide theory is that like they have an, like they have like a life going on. Like they have a whole like schedule, like they're journaling, they're going to their house in Miami. Like they're going back home. Like, they have a journey that they're on, it mm-hmm. seems like. They have a life that they're enjoying living, sort of. Yeah, um, it's like, why take a, a trip and, like, kind of temporarily displace yeah. yourself, pack the luggage? Like, what, right. what's what's it all for right. just to go there and, like, right. end it all? I, I right. see what you're saying. It doesn't make sense. What the hell happened to these people? Genuinely. I, I need to look. Now I really want to look up a picture of her. Okay. Now, before you look this up, her wealth. she's a little, okay, no, okay. she's a little, um, 
there's only two pictures I've ever seen that have been released of them, which is kind of strange to me because when I think of wealthier people, I assume that there's they're often photographed a lot because they have events. They go to parties and weddings. You know what I mean? I have only ever seen yeah. two pictures of them. And they're a little scary. Okay. Let's see. Yeah. They're, they're kind is of it like, Romer's like R-O-A-M-E-R-S? Charles and Catherine with a C-R-O-M-E-R. It looks like Romer. Do you want me to send you a link? Yeah. Okay. I'm in the, I'm in currently on the Brunswick news. Um, <laughs> Might be get out of there here. Hold on. I'll send you a link. <laughs> <laughs> I'll send, get the hell out. Why can Get out. No, these pictures of them are scary though. They're kind of, they're a scary. <laughs> I think maybe they're scarier in the context of this story. But when I first saw these pictures, I was like, Oh, Oh my God. Yeah. Well, these are like old pictures. These are the only pictures we have of them, really. Oh, little sweeties. They look kind of sweet, though, in that, like... See how kind you are? You're like, they look so sweet. And I'm like, Sue, they're scary (laughs) as hell. (laughs) Well, this first picture is scary, but I think it's more because the the, um, way it was scanned or whatever, it's, like, very dark black and white. But if you look, Mm -hmm. like, at a couple more of these where they're, like, posed with the... Oh, with the fence? Yeah. Yeah, they look like grandma and grandpa kind of thing. They look sweet. It's just upsetting so to me to think about. Weird. I really didn't like researching this case and envisioning. I was like, well, what is the scenario if it was an accident and they just got confused in the dark? How scary that must have been. Like the last moment of oh. like falling into a body of water. And before you know it, the car is filling, filling with water. That's so sad. But we don't know if that's what happened. Honestly, I'm, I'm very. I know. It's strange because I avoided this like in our theories, but a lot of people have said they're like, there are too many elements of this case that don't make sense to the point where people are like, this is not theft. This is not like ransom. This is not even an accident or like suicide. They're like, this is like paranormal or like, this is something else. That's interesting. I don't have those theories fully Uh, fleshed out, but yeah, I can see it. Well, when you look at this like Lincoln town car, I mean, Again, it's like a boat. Like, I cannot imagine that thing, someone not seeing that thing if they're doing um, in uh, searches and bodies of water. Like, Absolutely. that thing is huge. Yeah, and a lot of the bodies of water that I should say that were in this area of Brunswick, especially South Brunswick, where the car was last seen near the restaurant strip, they are not big bodies of water. I'm talking like ponds, swamps, like kind of shallow in the grand scheme like not difficult for a diving team to like go down and be like oh we got a car nothing oh gosh this makes me so sad seeing these pictures i know i thought you were gonna get scared i'm actually surprised that you're it happened (laughs) no no i'm just kidding i'm not crying but it it is so like oh like you just said having lived like this what seemingly really great life together you're having just got married in your older age and then if that really is what happened they got in an accident oh my god that would it's, be so it's unfortunate tragic. it's tragic I mean, it is unfortunate yeah i yeah i think it's it's pretty rare i think for someone to find like a life partner yet again like you're saying like in your your upper years so it is sweet that they were able to find like companionship in each other but i just cannot get it out of my head the strangeness of them being seen walking into a room 
and no one ever sees them again. And suddenly this all happens. I don't get that. What do you think is stranger? This or the Zeb Quinn case? Mm. Well, Zeb I Quinn has Zeb more meat Quinn to it. Zeb Quinn is eerier. Yeah, there's yeah, more meat to it. I think it. Zeb Quinn has, it's much eerier. This is just like, it's, it's, there's it's so much unknown. Like, it's just, mm-hmm. there's, yeah, there's not a lot of evidence to go off of. You're just really jumping straight to the theories. Um, yeah. Whereas Zeb, there was like a whole like plot. There was like, you know. Things that, yeah, yeah things that came to light. Love triangle. Totally. Yeah. I feel like this needs one additional like chunk of evidence, like one extra puzzle piece. And it could like spin a whole new story for me. Like I would need yeah. like another witness yeah. statement to say like somebody saw them 10 days later in like a different state. Or I would need like, I don't know, like the car is found, but it's like <laughs> it's still found in Brunswick or something but it's in perfect condition, like something weird like that. Yeah. Or like a secret had been told to like a friend or family mm. member about yeah. like something that was going on. Inside and then knowledge. Yeah. That's all we've got to This is the case of the Romers. The Romers. Charles and, and Catherine the kit Romer. And Caboodle. And the kit and Caboodle. <laughs> that is the kit and Caboodle. Oh my God. Well, actually. Okay. Yeah. Do you know what just struck me? What? I'm going to guess that it's oh. like, you know, like, you know, like caboodles, like, like makeup kits when we were like doing theater. Did you ever have a caboodle? No, I did not have a caboodle. What are you talking about? They're like little makeup kits. They're kits. Like you would put all your makeup in the caboodle. And I'm like, oh my God, is that why it's called a caboodle? It's a kit. It's a kit and caboodle. Let's, let's actually look this up live. Hold on. Uh, okay, okay. okay. Caboodle. I've never once heard the word caboodle before today. The whole kit and caboodle means the entire amount of thing. Okay, we know that. Okay, the word kit phrase. <laughs> when you dip into the southern. <laughs> it's a very specific southern if you listen carefully. It's like. <laughs> I know. Reference to. a Oh, it's a reference to a soldier's kit. Okay. Soldier, theater oh. performer, same thing, really. Which same thing. Which is a collection of <laughs> supplies and personal items. Okay, it's it's just like referring to this little thing. I guess the caboodle is like the okay. kit, like what you're saying. Or maybe the kit is yeah, the kit, and I then the caboodle is like the, the collection. <laughs> this is like which came first, the chicken or the egg? Literally, yeah. The kit or the caboodle? So boodle, okay, so here's what it is. The kit and caboodle. Boodle <laughs> itself is derived from Old English, and it is, it's a word for bottle which actually meant back in the day like bunch or bundle oh my god is this shakespearean podcast (laughs) yeah (laughs) that's true (laughs) spotify called and they were like so we're not hearing much history um (laughs) you care to like reference something from elizabethan times we'd love to hear it (laughs) oh gosh (laughs) kit and caboodle i'm definitely adding that into the nancy grace glossary that is getting stamped in laminated We've got to start actually keeping track of everything in her glossary. Like, I, I want to create it so I can reference it in my everyday I ha- life. I keep it up here 24-7. It's okay. in my mind always. Okay. I know everything. <laughs> but yes, I'll plan that well, for, like, a gift you for a you. i a physical copy. Okay. Yes. <laughs> you know what I was just thinking about that I miss? Remember that, like, um, was it, like, a diary of quotes that I gave Jordan for tour? Remember that? For, like, Secret Santa or White yes. Elephant? Oh, yes, yes, yes. I almost wish I had a copy of it for myself. I was thinking about it the other day, and I was like, oh, I really want that. 
<laughs> that was her. a I'm like, great gift. I'm like, can you ship that back to me? <laughs> <laughs> I just remember her um, journal that she used to keep, like a diary. Did and she? At one point, it was like out in the open. Yes, and she was like, "Don't open that." <laughs> oh, I mean, that's real. <laughs> I agree with her. <laughs> that is real. Yeah. Don't go in a diary. Don't ever. You don't want to see what's in there because it's. It may not even be the truth. It's just like an exercise of like expression. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Did you ever see those diaries when we were kids that were like? Um, they had like they were plastic. They had like a plastic casing and a key. You had one. I was gonna say, don't even like. It was my prized possession. The ones where you would give it a password. Did you remember that one? Oh yes. Well, they were mostly made like in, they were made for girls and they like had girl colors. And I was like, I want that. <laughs> I, was like, <laughs> I was like, for writing purposes, of course. You know? Yeah, you're like, <laughs> Silas's book of creepy stories. <laughs> Age four. <laughs> so you had one though, and you had a password on it? Oh my God. Yes. I used to love that thing. If I could find the actual one on mm-hmm. eBay, I swear to God, I would pay like, three hundred dollars for it like it was the greatest thing in my life and i would constantly forget my own password i was gonna say i was like can you still remember the password i'm gonna break into it no oh my god i was like it's your atm code now happy (laughs) oh it's a word password oh i thought it was numeric yeah usually it'd be a a word password and um, that makes more sense for kids like supposedly it would only recognize your voice in order to open it but like you could totally i think if you just had the word it would hacks liars lying toy company hacks out of, would you get it at Toys R Us? Where'd you get it from? Or was it a gift? I think I got it from Lim- Limited 2. Limited 2. That's a dark statement. Did that just throw you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> For, I thought you started to say limp, and I was like, limp? <laughs> limp and Limited 2. Limited 2. Now ju- which is a Justice? podcast. Is Limited 2 and Justice the same thing? Same thing. Okay. But, like, Limited 2 was... That was when you entered tweendom and like your mom knew walking in there. It was like, okay, like she is contemplating boys. Like she is thinking about looking a little like slutty in this cami with her rhinestone initials on it. (laughs) Okay. So my mom was not about it. I thought Justice and Limited (laughs) 2 were swapped then because I thought Limited 2 was like the little, little girl stuff. And then I thought Justice was like, I'm a woman now. No, no. I think Limited Two was just the OG Justice, and I think they did like a whole rebrand. Was there something that was younger yeah. than Limited Two, like a store that was similar? No, to there that? was the Limited. There was the <laughs> Limited, which was like that was like actual clothing for like twenty year olds, and then Limited Two was the little girls' version of it. Oh, oh, okay, gotcha. Do you remember? Do you remember Gilly? And they Hicks? were connected. Oh, that's dangerous, Gilly Hicks. <laughs> you said, Gilly "What the hell did you call me?" You can... <laughs> You don't know Gilly Hicks? No. So Gilly Hicks, there's Abercrombie Kids, and then there was Abercrombie, and there's Hollister, obviously, which is like the surf version of like Abercrombie, which is a little more like winter themed. Gilly Hicks was like the extension store to Abercrombie, which was all lingerie. And they named it Gilly Hicks? Gilly Hicks. You didn't have one of these, really? Because nothing says sex like the <laughs> word gilly hicks i mean in like late middle school early high school i used to think it was a chic name i was like wow gilly hicks I never heard of that <laughs> yeah they had this beautiful like bra wall kind of like victoria's secret style but it was like old school abercrombie lighting so there's like two candles in the corner lighting this entire wall of bras 
I don't know what I was doing in there, I but I was either. there. <laughs> I was in the. Tre- I was going to say, what were you doing? <laughs> I was in the trenches. <laughs> I really wasn't allowed. This is so funny. I I don't. I remember a couple of times going into Abercrombie and Fitch with my mom, mm-hmm. but she did not like it. I think because it was so overpriced. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was very sexualized for like my age when I was going in there. And also I remember so vividly going in one time I convinced my mom, I was like, mom, all of the cool girls in my school wear Abercrombie and Fitch polos. Cause we had a uniform. You had to wear polos. And I was like, if I don't get one of these with a damn moose icon on it, like my life is over. I was like, I just need one. And she was like, okay, fine. So we went in and I remember trying on the polo and i've always had broad shoulders and and muscular arms and i tried on that polo and i remember tears just welling up in my eyes because my arms were like sausage links and i was like in a in a like double xl for like (laughs) little girls and i remember i started crying and my mom was like take that off we're going to aeropostale I was going to say, I was like, was the backup American Eagle, Aeropostale? <laughs> yeah. Amer- Aeropostale, those little monkey t-shirts, that was that was me always. You had to stop in Gilly Hicks, honey. That's what you needed. But I, oh, no. If Nancy Grace doesn't still get her lingerie from Gilly Hicks, <laughs> I'm unwell. I can tell you're baiting me because you want me to say it in the accent. <laughs> <laughs> because it's I'm my lip is quivering right now, getting so close. I'm like, yeah. Gilly. <laughs> no, that's Hicks so real though. says kitten caboodle. The things Abercrombie and Hollister did to me, like in middle school, I, I'm sure I cried in many a dressing room because I was a very husky kid in middle school. But I actually remember crying in a dressing room. But I think that was J.C. Penny, which is so much less glamorous <laughs> than, than crying in an Abercrombie dressing room. I couldn't let them see the tears. But I remember having like a similar experience with my mom. I think going into Hollister, and I was so embarrassed because it was middle school and I was it was like back to school shopping because that's like the big hurrah when you go and right. she went in and it was like having a, a breakdown over like all of the elements to deal with in there because it was like dim light she was like I can't see anything and she was like taking the colognes <laughs> and like spraying them and I was like stop it I was like you're embarrassing me <laughs> and then she was like chatting it up with like the hottest people known to man who were working there and of I course. was like stop talking to them <laughs> i was so embarrassed full circle i end up getting a job there when i'm 16 at hollister <gasps> hackery that place is a dark dark place quite literally but also like what goes on there bad bad news do they still okay i did have a friend that worked at abercrombie there was like some sort of manual right about like how you needed to look and act and oh absolutely well there was okay so there were a couple of different positions there was called like like a restaurant front of house and back of house yeah (laughs) it's so messed up but if you were put in a back of house like job you were still like a retail associate like you were just like a normal as if you worked like anywhere else as like a retail person you were just kept in the back and you would like organize inventory or you were what they called a model which meant you worked front of house so you would be stationed in like, and they always put guys in the girls section. Girls go in the guys section, and you really have no job because everything is already there. So they would say, "You just fold this like pile of clothes," and I'm like, "Well, what do I do once I finish folding it?" And they go, "Unfold it, and then fold it all again." <laughs> You're a greeter, basically. So people that come in and they gave you yeah. a script, they say, "This is what you say when people come in." And for Hollister, you it had to be like super casual. They're like, "Girls come in, and you immediately have to be like, 'What's up?'" kind of thing, and not like. 
welcome. It's like, what's up? I think surf's up, which is so corny, was one of the tags they gave us. Um, oh, my God. You did have standards about how you had to look. I remember you couldn't have any facial hair. It was all such mm-hmm. BS. And the reason being is because we were told this in our interviews. The way they, and they did this, actually, the way they scout the models for the posters in the store is from their employees. So every, like, other week, you would have, you would be taken in the back and either one of the managers or like somebody from corporate would take a picture of you, like a front and then two side profiles to send into corporate. <laughs> and you would get scouted that way. And then to make matters even worse, they did something even worse where they were hiring people as storefront models. My friend Mallory did this where you would stand in front of the store as a like living mannequin in, a, in like a bikini. Yeah. I like was walking in the West Farms Mall and I passed and I was like, Mal, <laughs> she's st- she's sixteen, standing in front of a Hollister, like literally in a bikini in the middle of the, the winter, and I was like, "What am I? What am I seeing?" <laughs> she was like, "Hey," <laughs> she's like, "I'm waiting for my lunch break." I, <laughs> I'm always just shocked that it's still in business because I feel like I don't see people wearing Hollister. I know Abercrombie's mm-hmm. had its like come back. I don't see people wearing. Hollister ever no you really never I mean because logos kind of became passe like they they were everything when we were like little but like now it's once like thrifting kind of like entered mainstream consciousness it totally shifted and it was like corny to wear those things but um I'll say this only because Jack filled me and Abercrombie really has had like a crazy rebrand of their clothes because like he wears Abercrombie and I always I'm like oh my god I love what you're wearing and he's like it's Abercrombie and I'm like where the hell's the moose Where's the moose? Yeah. <laughs> As I pull my Where's thong up and I'm like, moose? this is Gilly Hicks. <laughs> I snap my thong. <laughs> Gilly Hicks 2009. Get with it. It's been washed 75 times this year alone. <laughs> vintage, vintage Gilly Hicks thong sold on Poshmark for $350. So I'm sweating. Oh, God. A vintage thong oh is one of the worst things I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> a vintage thong. That's so foul. The only shred of evidence left behind was a vintage thong. It was Gilly marked. Hicks. 2004 vintage thong found in a storage locker. That's so foul. Do people We've buy do people buy vintage undergarments? I mean the episode's already over, so we're just gabbing now, but I mean the yeah. creepers enjoy it if you're still listening. <laughs> I'll, I'm gonna release it all. So <laughs> do people sell like vintage undergarments like that? They can't. Like bras, maybe? I mean, I just don't know why anybody would want that. I mean, I do know like like vintage lingerie, like mm-hmm. very high end designer for sure. People resell, but like, I hope to God no one is selling their underwear or no, bras no thongs. On. I think bras are sold Only, like that. Like sick people in the head are buying those. Well, it's funny because there's a vintage. I I go thrifting in LA a lot, and there's one that like specializes in like stuff from the 30s to the 50s. I always see bras in there because the bras that were made in the 40s are very like, they're shaped very differently. They're almost like cone shaped. Yeah. um, Because that was the look. So it's really hard to find a modern day bra that would, you know, fulfill that silhouette if you're looking for that. So I always see those in there. And I'm like, that's weird. Those must have been like 
sanitized, I guess. But then I found out from my sister because she does, she worked for like a, a vintage like clothing subscription company. And I was like, so you get the clothes, then you like dry clean them and like wash them and everything. She goes, we don't wash them. And I'm like, you don't wash those clothes. She goes, no, they told us it eats up too much time. So we're instructed to just pack them up. I'm not going to name the company. We just pack them up and we ship them out. And I'm like, stop. They could have mites. Like they could be like, and throw some Febreze on those suckers and I'm throw not, them just in the, like a spritz of Bath box. and Body Works, please. Some sweet pea. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Honestly, I will tie this back to creep. I want nothing more mm-hmm. than to go into like an abandoned shopping mall, like late at night. I have such a desire you? to do that. Like something about it scares me in the best way. That is so deeply unnerving to me. I can't even tell I you. Know, I know. And, a bi- and I know. at night, you said you want to do this? Yeah. Yeah. Where does that desire come from? What are you looking for in there? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Like, there's something about <laughs> abandoned spaces that mm-hmm. really has always intrigued me. Like, abandoned amusement parks, mm-hmm. abandoned shopping malls, abandoned schools. Like, that whole thing. Because I guess it's like... <laughs> definitely not with like shopping malls like what happened here <laughs> what happened there was i was crying in the dressing room <laughs> i was like i was like what happened was i was in gilly out. hicks with a lantern <laughs> looking for a thong <laughs> okay i'm in tears i'm in tears <laughs> oh my god <sighs> i would be so scared how old are we talking? Know, are we talking but, about it like a mall that got shut down in the 80s and 90s? Like an old school mall? Yes. Can you imagine how fun that would be to go back into like a 90s mall and see like, because I remember, remember like the fast food court in the 90s, how different it looked? Barely. Barely. Really? I mean, well, I don't really have many memories from like the 90s. I'm trying to think. I like, guess like so. Very, like everything was like blue and purple and like yes, yes, kind of like like old you know, school Taco um, Bell design, kind of like yes, that's yes, the, yes, the aesthetic. That. And there were other shops too. Like I don't know if you ever went in one of these, but like um, like Warner Brothers had its own shop. Like you'd go in the Warner Brothers shop, the Disney shop, which the, I know they still what, have. What's in the Warner Brothers shop? Just like movie memorabilia and merch. It would be like Looney Tunes. Like everything was like I remember so vividly. They used to have um, like a Marvin Martian spaceship in the back and you could like run through it if any if any creeper remembers us please comment and and like because if this is just a memory oh i'm sure they would maybe i'm making it up (laughs) but like that and like the discovery store like you're naming all these things i don't know that i've ever seen or maybe i i blocked them out I was in like the Build a Bear era of of my mall (laughs) like yeah that's what i remember brook uh brookstone was a big one. Go in there. Oh Brookstone, yes. Which I think folded. Go in there it, and sit in the massage chair. Yeah, until like one of the associates kicks you out and they're like, get the hell out of the store. <laughs> um, what are the other stores? I mean, the, the ones that I really are the most like burned into my mind were really just the middle school ones. Like the, the Hollister's, Abercrombie's, and the Gilly Hicks. Do you remember Sam Goody? Why does that sound familiar? What is that? Sam Is it like the music store? I don't think I do. Why? You're making me feel oddly young, and that's not the truth here, because we're like the same age. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> maybe I, I'm actually the one that was born in the 70s. I was like, maybe I, I was like, maybe you were just like in a mall that was like holding on 
to some of the older no. stores. I no? swear this was if there was Sam Goody and there was like obviously like Radio Shack, you remember? Yes, Radio Shack I remember. So my first cell phone was from. Yeah. It was oh. a little prepaid flip phone. Emergencies oh my only. <laughs> my first day of middle school. <laughs> it was a jitterbug. It was a jitterbug. Uh what was the <laughs> there were a couple of like fun names. That's the one thing I missed before like everything went iPhone. I missed how exciting it was. Like all the variants of different phones that would come around every year for Christmas. Yeah. Because I had the LG chocolate. That put me on a pedestal in my mind where I was like, I've made it. And I begged for that. I gave up my birthday gift and my Christmas gift to get that. That's so funny. The chocolate and my parents never let me have a razor, which was just like a fate worse than death. Um. (laughs) Remember the juke? That tiny little skinny phone? The juke? If you look this up. If you look I'm that sure up, you'd I'd be like, it. <gasps> it was like skinny. Of course, the skinny. sidekick. The sidekick. Was that the one they used in the Devil Wears Prada? That's I the sidekick, so. right? I had the Envy. Yes. And then I had the Envy Touch. And I also had the Blackberry Storm. <gasps> the Juke. Oh my God, I remember this because it looks like a remote control. Yeah, it was so tiny. And it slides up. Oh my mm-hmm. gosh. Same thing with the chocolate, which I liked. Um, the sidekick was wild, which I remember that. Yeah. The razor, everybody had the razor. Of course. Um, I wanted the iPhone, but iPhones were still so expensive then. So I, ha- I got the BlackBerry Storm, and I remember this is the corniest thing I've ever done. Probably not, <laughs> but it's one of the cor- many corny things I've done. I was able to download off the internet <laughs> some kind of a software to basically jailbreak the BlackBerry Storm to change all of the icons <gasps> to iPhone icons and basically Stop. pretend it was for no one else but me. Pretend to myself that I had an iPhone. It was that important to me in middle school. <laughs> it was that critical to my well-being. <laughs> Do you remember how... I don't know if your parents were like this. I would get in so much trouble if I accidentally pressed the internet button on my flip phone. Really? Did that ever happen to you? No, I was very self-regulated. I was scared because I knew I was like, <laughs> I don't know what I'm capable of once I get on the internet on my phone. I'm like, I could rack up thousands of dollars in a night. Who knows what could happen to me? <laughs> oh I would God, buy, wait. I would get permission to buy do ringtones. You... I would do that. I would ask, can I get $1.99 yes, yes. to buy a ringtone? Or I think 99 cents is how much they cost. Do you think our entire Gen Z audience just fell off? I for, I just realized that as we were saying this. I was like, wait a second. I was like, don't we have a big Gen Z audience? <laughs> Shoot. They're probably like, we thought you guys were cool. <laughs> we have to go now, you chuggies. I don't know. I think we still won them back with the idea of a Gilly Hicks song. <laughs> the Gilly Hicks song. Honestly, gonna save Gen us. Zs everywhere are now going to be wearing Gilly Hicks, vintage Gilly Hicks songs over their jeans. Sue, what do you think our brand Just deal for next them. week is going to be? That's what we've got. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by, by Gilly Hicks. <laughs> um, oh, God. What's it called when like it's like a look back? It's like the Gilly Hicks legacy line. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> For a limited oh time only. <laughs> and I, I'm the visual ambassador with you. <laughs> We're just in campaigns together. That's the only brand deal that Creep Time ever gets. Gilly you, okay, Hicks before I, before I let you go, can you just look up what a Gilly Hicks store looked <laughs> yes. like? Yeah, I, I swear to God, I've never heard of this in my life. Okay. It didn't last long. Like, they didn't do very well, so I can only imagine they didn't 
they weren't in many malls, but I remembered them being very, very dark. And I remembered them having this like, it was like Victoria's Secret, like style, like sign wise, but it was really, really moody, like even darker, more adult, like black walls, dim lighting. All of these pictures look very well lit. And this is not what I remember. I'm about to throw you on your ass. They did a legacy line in 2019. I'm. <laughs> they did a pop-up shop. They tested out pop-up Gilly Hick shock. Well, shops. I hope the test went well. I was like, sales are about to go through the roof <laughs> with my Gilly Hicks. <laughs> oh, it's by. Ho- okay. So it's supposed to be like an extension of the Hollister vibe. So it's more like California feel. That made sense to me. Gilly Hicks. I am so, I honest to God, I've never seen this in my life. I, I'm so happy I brought it back into your purview. Oh my God. Yeah. That Love was it. a malls in middle school, a dark, dark period, but clearly it we really got a kick out of it. <laughs> it's incredible that we were able to go so wildly <laughs> off topic from talking about a missing couple to talking about Gilly Hicks thongs, I'm but I think it was necessary. I'm going to personally apologize. <laughs> I'm going to personally apologize to Charles and Catherine Romer. If you're listening, wherever you are. Oh, but with that, I'm happy Please. we ended on a positive note. Uh, or like at least yeah. a, a joyous note, Creepers. Tune in yes. next week for another episode where we'll go back into the sinister <laughs> and hopefully round it out again with something fun. <laughs> I'm sweating so bad from that. The, oh my God. I'm sorry. I'm just not going to get the image of you with a Gilly Hicks vintage song out of my head for a solid week. Because <laughs> that's how long I'll be wearing it, baby. A solid week. <laughs> Snapping it right on my love handles. One, two. <laughs> and with that, Creepers, we're going to catch you next week. Tune in for a Friday episode. We love you so much for listening. For now, we're going to say goodbye. Should we say bye, Sue? Bye, Creepers. <laughs> bye, guys. <laughs>